Welcome to the Baseball SDL Podcast, brought to you by Dave Sinclair Ford. <clears throat> I'm JJ Bailey. Joining me via Skype is Joe Schwartz. You might know him on Twitter as STL Cup of Joe. He is an editor and writer over at the SB Nation site, Viva Albertos, where they do tons of great stuff covering the Cardinals. A lot of good content. And Joe, uh, jumping in here, how, uh, how long have you been writing for uh, SB Nation? Uh, for Viva Albertos, um, this is my third season. Uh, I wrote for a year, a little over a year before that for my own website. It's just stlcupofjoe.com. And then when there was an opening with Viva Albertos, I, I threw my name into the ring and, uh, I've been writing there ever since. I really started January, 2014, uh, I guess officially. So this is my third season, uh, starting in 2016. Well, I've been uh, I've been reading you really ever since I was doing this, and this is really my third full season on on this beat as well, and uh, do a lot of good stuff over there. I encourage anybody who's listening to this that hasn't read Joe to to check out Viva Alberto's. He writes a lot of great stuff, especially on the pitching staff, and that's kind of what our conversation is focusing on today. Uh, start of the season, maybe not exactly what people expected, especially out of the rotation. There's been some good starts here and there. Obviously, Carlos has thrown well. Jaime had a great outing the other day. Uh, but really early on in the season, it's been the offense for the Cardinals that's been taking care of business. I was curious what your early takeaways were from these first few starts of this season. Um, what is your what is your overall impression of this staff now that each guy's got a few starts under their belt? Um, overall, I'm not too worried about it. People are making it sound like uh, the rotation isn't what we thought it was going to be. I think it's right in line with what we thought it was going to be. Uh, obviously, we won a little bit more out of Adam Wainwright, but we have to remember what he went through last year. Uh, he probably didn't have a normal off season of what he's used to. He might be a little hyped up. His arm, as he says, might be feeling a little, a little better than he's used to over the last couple of years. So commanding that fastball, commanding that cutter on the corners, just it doesn't look great right now. Um, but I'm confident that he will get it figured out. Uh, he's talking to all the right people. It's been reported he talked with Chris Carpenter. He's obviously talked with the coaching staff. Um, so. I feel like a lot of people predicate their thoughts on the rotation based on Wainwright not doing so well. Uh, but like you just said, Carlos Martinez looks great. Jaime Garcia looks great as as he should when he's healthy. Michael Waka had a good start uh, the other day. And Mike Leake, he's, he's basically what you'd expect out of Mike Leake. He's going to be a, an average to slightly above average pitcher and I I feel like people can't get too excited about him, be, but I mean he's going to throw innings, and that's basically what they brought him in for. Well, and a lot of you mentioned Adam Wainwright, and a lot of people get very nervous when Adam Wainwright is not the superhero that everyone expects him to be every start. Um, he's talked about this a little bit uh, throughout spring. He was having trouble getting his mechanics where he wanted him to be. He tries to find those linchpins in his delivery that, if something's going wrong, he can go back to a couple different points in his delivery and see which one of those is off kilter. But the finished product, as you mentioned, is he's not as sharp, especially on the cutter, especially on the edges of the zone. And even that breaking ball uh, seems to be moving a little bit more laterally than vertically uh, compared to when it's a lot sharper. 
given that you take a look at these guys and you really bore down to their vertical movement and their horizontal movement, just what you're seeing with Wainwright in terms of where his pitches are going, uh, is, there a, is there a clear illustration of what it looks like when it's going well and, and where it is compared to where it is right now that you're seeing maybe on paper or in the, in, in the results when you look at the, the pitching data? Well, when he's at his best, he's living down in the zone because his curveball, the majority of the time, is not going to be in the strike zone. It's just going to be just below the strike zone. His cutter uh, is going to be low in the zone. And in order to set those two pitches up, from a pitching standpoint, he needs his fastball to be following that same path as those two pitches where he's he's hitting the low and outside corner to a righty or he's throwing low and outside to a lefty so that when it comes out of his hand a lot of what he's about because he can't blow any hitters away is deception and right now his fastball and his cutter are more up in the zone so hitters I feel like are able to pick up out of the hand his curveball a little bit better or even his cutter a little bit better because they're like, Oh, this is this one. His fastball looks higher out of his hand than maybe his curveball or maybe his cutter. So in terms of the movement on his cutter and the movement on his curveball, yeah, his curveball is a little more lateral than what we're used to seeing out of the 12 to six break the, on the clock from him. I'm not worried about the curveball. I think it all, starts with this fastball i've written about that before he's got to be hitting corners and low and outside low and inside corners in order to set up his other pitches especially with his velocity where it is now compared to what it was say when he was a relief pitcher for the cardinals well and michael waka has struggled a little bit with that too in commanding the part of the zone that makes him effective i know Mike Matheny's spoken on this a, a couple times, and Waka tends to anymore kind of have canned responses post-game. He used to be a little bit more open when he would talk about pitching, but he's pretty much got a script that he follows now. But even even he will concede what Mike is saying is that when, when Waka's controlling the lower half of the zone, every one of his pitches can stack on top of each other because of that downward plane of his delivery and because of the deception of his release point on his changeup. When you've break, broken down Waka's performances, are you seeing the same thing uh, you know, that Mike is talking about, that if he's not low in the zone, um, everything kind of tumbles like dominoes? Yeah, he's pretty spot on with that assessment. Uh, his changeup, his I think it was 2013, when everyone talked about how such a great changeup it was, they, some were hailing it as one of the best right-handed changeups in baseball, and it was, yeah. only, his, it was only his rookie season. Um, I think what people don't understand now, Carlos Martinez is different with his changeup because it has an incredible amount of movement. But in order for the, the changeup to be a successful pitch, a person has to be commanding their fastball because out of the hand, the hitter is shouldn't be able to distinguish if it's a fastball or if it's a changeup. And as Mike has said, and as Michael has said a little bit, when his fastball is awry, as it has been the last couple of years, the changeup is going to be less effective because the hitters, even though the changeup still has the same movement and always has, still in a vacuum is as good of a pitch as it was probably when he was a rookie. 
he can't set it up with this fastball. He can't sequence it with this fastball because, say, he's throwing the fastball up in the zone or it's tailing away and then the changeup's down. Well, the hitter's going to be able to tell the difference. So I think what we saw in his last start, he was living down in the zone with his fastball. So he was experiencing success with his changeup as well. Well, and that's kind of, I know uh, it's been written about and we've talked about it a little bit, but that is the strength of the changeup is not only the change in velocity and it, its ability to fool a hitter, but it's it's the implied threat that it could be a fastball. And if you're not fearing the fastball, then the threat doesn't have as much uh, teeth as you need it to, especially for a guy like Waka, who's, while he has improved, still lives primarily on change of speed more than anything else. Is that a fair assessment, by the way, since you've studied this far more in depth than most people, that while Waka is developing a cutter and while his curveball is still somewhat in the laboratory, that primarily as a pitcher, his threat is 95 or the change, and there isn't a whole lot else that appears to be as effective as that combination for him? Yeah, absolutely. And I've I've written about this before. If it were – if I were – uh, Derek Lilquist, or if I were a coach on staff or one of the other pitchers, I would honestly tell Waka to, to scrap the cutter. He's throwing it uh, a lot now. And I just don't think, given how you said, he's, he's a 95-mile-an-hour fastball guy with a changeup, the cutter just it doesn't fit with his repertoire that well, whereas a good curveball does. So if I were him, I would be focusing so much more on, on getting that curveball out of the laboratory and getting it on the mound, which I think he is, he's throwing it a whole lot more. Hmm. Um, and it, and it's a pretty good pitch for him now, but in terms of fastball change up, curveball is just the next step in a repertoire that I see. I don't necessarily think the cutter, given that its velocity isn't that much different than his changeup, I just don't think it fits his repertoire. Now, obviously, it can be his fourth pitch, but I see it being no more than his fourth pitch, and he's throwing it like a second pitch, or he's throwing it like a third pitch uh, early on this year and most of last year. Well, I know that the Cardinals have really built that into a lesson plan for pretty much all of their pitchers and that they want them all to learn a cutter or a sinker. You know, uh, Marco Gonzalez has been, I'm not saying forced, he's been encouraged to learn about six pitches now because he was primarily a changeup guy. But I think that you make a good point that while those are effective pitches and while the staff is really gravitating more and more toward pitching toward contact that the inability to execute a cutter or a great sinker um, with a guy like Waka who lives with power and then change of pace I think you make a good point there that it shouldn't be his tertiary weapon it should be maybe just a little bit of added value tacked on at the end so I I think you make an excellent observation there but we've talked about a couple of these guys in this rotation and now that we've got a feel for it you look at you lose Lackey, but you essentially gain Wainwright. You lose Lance Lynn to Tommy John, and you essentially replace him with Mike Leake in this rotation. Um, first blush, how does this rotation with Wainwright, Waka, Leake, Garcia, and Martinez stack up to last year uh, when you take those names out and you plug in Lackey, Lynn, Waka, Martinez, Garcia? Uh, I like last year's rotation better. Uh, I mean, the numbers show. Obviously, it was 
might you wouldn't be able to replicate those numbers necessarily, but they were historically good staff last year. I when I look at a staff like that, I see a bunch of number two, maybe number three starting pitchers. When I look at this year's staff, I see a couple twos. I see maybe a one, uh, but then I see a clear four and five in in Waka and. Well, if Waka takes a step forward, then maybe he's a three. But in Mike Leake, I see him as more of a four or a five, whereas last year you saw, well, they didn't have like a Clayton Kershaw or they didn't have a Madison Bumgarner. They had a lot of really good number two quality starting pitchers, and I think that adds up when over a long season when you got 162 games and a staff of five or six starting pitchers. So while I don't think necessarily – this year is a bad starting staff. I think it's a really good starting staff. And I don't want any listeners to think that I'm making that statement based off of the first 15 games of the season. This answer would have been the exact same uh, in spring training. Is I just think last year's staff is just a little bit better uh, than this year's staff. But it, it doesn't mean that this year's staff is going to be the Achilles heel for for the team, it's still going to be a pretty good pitching staff. Well, I agree with you there, and especially uh, we'll get into them in a, in a minute here. The, the bullpen still remains um, about as strong as you could ask for for not only any team in the NL, but maybe across the majors. But before we get into the relief core, um, you mentioned the absence of a Clayton Kershaw or, or Madison Baumgartner. Um, for a lot of fans – the name when you try and find that person on the staff is still Adam Wainwright just because he's been the ace of the staff. But given how much time you've spent looking at Carlos Martinez and, and how much you've written on him and how much I've, I've read that you've written on him, um, when you look at this staff, that name should jump out or off the page, at least to me, that if you're looking to find that guy in this rotation, it's Carlos Martinez. Yes, Carlos Martinez is the number one starting pitcher on the St. Louis Cardinals. I want to make that clear. He is the <laughs> he is the best starting pitcher on the St. Louis Cardinals. He may be right now number five in the rotation, but frankly, he is. He's got his stuff is better. Even when Adam Wainwright was at his best, when Adam Wainwright was finishing second in the Cy Young or couple seconds i think uh he did not have the stuff or repertoire that carlos martinez has now on the same on that same token adam wainwright could pitch a little bit better than carlos martinez can right now he could place you could put a dime hang it from a string over home plate and he could hit it and no matter what pitch it was he could hit it so that's not a knock on Adam Wainwright in any way. It's just Carlos Martinez is able to throw the ball 99 miles an hour. He's able to throw a sinker, which is supposed to be considerably slower than a four-seamer. He's able to throw that up to 96, 97. His changeup has oh, like 15 inches of horizontal movement on it. And when you think about that, that's about the, the width of home plate. And then he's got that slider that just makes right-handed hitters look silly. I mean, if you've looked at some of the 
highlights from last season against Andrew McCutcheon when he's Andrew McCutcheon, one of the best hitters in the game and MVP. Hmm. Uh, he threw a slider off the edge and he just looks silly. So in terms of repertoire, in terms of actually executing the repertoire, what we've saw, what we've seen last year and what we've seen so far this year, Carlos Martinez bar none is my number one in the, in the starting rotation. And, and I have no qualms in saying that. Well, and <clears throat> when you see it on, when you see it plotted on a graph, um, even as striking as it is, what really stood out to me is in spring, I, you know, you, you get the privilege of being a little bit closer than, than I normally ever get to be to watch these guys throw. And I think you and I talked back and forth on Twitter a couple of times and I was able to take some video from behind the plate and the the sheer amount of movement and late movement that Carlos Martinez is capable of is mind boggling because even even though he can throw 98 99 he can also throw 92 93 and everything moves from left to right or in on a righty or down his ability to he can make a baseball do things uh, that he probably shouldn't be able to do um, <laughs> excuse me when you look <clears throat> when you look at him a lot of people when he came up said, you know, this guy has stuff that we haven't seen in, in a decade or two. Um, looking at it as detailed as you have been, do you agree with that assessment that he has stuff that, that might be the top of the ladder in the major leagues, not just on the staff, but across baseball? Absolutely. Uh, I think when you look at certain pitchers out there that are considered top-notch pitchers, uh, they have one or two really good pitches uh and then they they make the most out of those one or two pitches and their and their tertiary offerings just by executing uh the corners really well or sequencing the pitches really well whereas then you look at carlos and he's got four really really good pitches and it just blows my mind that for how young he is and for how relatively new to starting pitching, because he had a he had a limited repertoire when he was in the bullpen, because that's more of let's throw a fastball by the guy or throw a slider off the plate. Well, he always had that changeup that he just didn't use very often, and he always had that ability to throw the sinker that he's been throwing a lot more lately. And yes, he has stuff that whenever you think of the really good pitcher, you think of one or two really good pitches, and then they're just really good at throwing those one or two pitches. You look at Carlos, he's got four really good pitches, and we haven't seen that, and I and I don't want to compare him to Pedro Martinez because it's not fair, but he's got stuff that repli- that's pretty similar to Pedro Martinez, and he's a Hall of Famer, so that's a really good... Uh, if you're Carlos Martinez, you'd love to hear that. Well, and I think... We both went back and forth on this. I think it was last year. His now that he can pitch a little better, to borrow a term, that he can he can locate his stuff better, and that he's commanding four of these pitches. I would posit that one of the biggest points in his development is the fact that he gets to throw to Yadier Molina, whose ability to not only cold read but also prepare so far in advance allows him to sequence pitches and allows Carlos Martinez to think about sequencing pitches in a way that I don't necessarily think he would if he didn't have such a gifted catcher behind the plate. And I would imagine um, 
getting him to think that way and getting him to see the effectiveness of how he layers these pitches and how each at bat is different, not only through the lineup, but to each guy two, three, four times that when the day comes that Yadier Molina can no longer get behind the plate for 140 games in a season, Carlos Martinez will have sort of fast tracked his pitching education. And I would imagine that he could now at this point, no matter who's back there, carry that sort of sequencing approach into any game from here on out in his career. Yeah, it, it is very important that he's had Yachty back there. Um, and c- to go along with what I said with he's got four really good pitches, that can actually make it more complicated when it comes to sequencing because you're like, well, I got this one that's really good. Well, what about do I go to this one or do I, do I go to that one? And that's where the scouting reports, that's where the knowledge that Yadier Molina just has in the back of his mind helps. And and I don't want to say it's muscle memory because you, you got to approach every hitter a different way based on the scouting report. But I feel like by the time Yadier Molina, it's time for him to move on. For Carlos, it'll almost be muscle memory. He'll be like, I always went change up sinker to this guy. I'm going to still do it. I don't care who's back there. Or I always went fastball, slider, fastball. And it seemed to always work. I'm going to do it again. And uh, I don't know. It's it's really fun to see Yachty back there uh, working with Carlos. But as you said, I think Eric Fryer could go back there. He'd be fine. I think uh, Brian Pena, when he's back, he'll be fine. Uh, especially if Yachty can help with – Yachty and Lilliquist can help with the pitch calling. I mean, he he's got the stuff to get any major league pitcher – or major league hitter out – it it's just a matter of would you rather have him with Yachty back there? Absolutely, but I don't think it's necessarily a necessity. Well, and you mentioned Brian Pena, which is a, a perfect segue into one more starting pitcher I wanted to hit. Um, <clears throat> after he caught Jaime Garcia the first time, he was like a kid who had just seen his first blockbuster movie. His eyes were wide, and he said, wow, that was incredible. I've never seen anything like that because <clears> – <throat> What Jaime has been able to do with a baseball, what he spent his career uh, creating is an ability to make every pitch run four inches or four feet whenever he wants to do it. And I think that's probably one of the coolest things that the evolution of pitching data has shown us is Jaime Garcia is good and everyone knows that he's good as long as he's healthy. But when you can finally see plots on a, on a map – of where one pitch goes in one at-bat compared to where it goes in the next, compared to where it goes the next day. Um, I'm, I'm of the opinion, and I know that a lot of people still have a little bit of bile in their mouth for, for Jaime and uh, his injury history, but I'm of the opinion that Jaime Garcia could also, also has the stuff uh, to be a number one pitcher in a rotation, not in a rotation that has Carlos Martinez in it, but if you moved him around the league, Jaime Garcia could be an ace, I think. Yeah, absolutely. He could be an ace. Um, I and the part of the reason why I picked Carlos and over a Jaime Garcia is because my thought process on the injuries too. So that's unfair to Jaime. Um, but that's just the way it is. I mean, I know Carlos had his season ended short last year too, but uh, at the same time, we haven't seen what we've in terms of injuries with Carlos as yeah, well. And he hasn't been on the operating table. I, Jaime has been on the operating table so much. I think his next one is free. Yeah. You probably buy six, get the seventh free. Um, 
But yeah, Jaime Garcia, with what he's able to do with pitches, he's right up there. If Carlos is one on a lot of these pitches uh, in terms of sinker, changeup, breaking ball, Jaime Garcia is 1A or maybe 2 on a lot of them. His changeup's filthy. His fastballs are nails because he's able to locate them kind of like Wayne. He's kind of like Wainwright was in peak Wainwright years because he's able if if you put that same analogy you put that dime on a string around home plate he'll be able to hit it with any of his pitches now his breaking ball obviously is not as good as Wainwright's breaking ball but I mean when you're able to locate two fastballs and you're able to locate a change up and then throw in a breaking ball that are all going different directions that are going different magnitudes of direction, as you said, based on the day. If he's just feeling, I want to throw this change up with 12 inches today instead of eight, he can do it. And, uh, I think part of that has to do with all of his surgeries, to be completely honest with you. I think his mechanics have changed so much, uh, that he's like just being able to move the ball in different ways. And does that make him? Uh, susceptible to another injury maybe uh, but we need to just enjoy Jaime while we can because while we're at it if we're not we're going to miss complete game shutouts with 13 well and that's his his ability to move the ball is exactly like you said he he that is because of his injuries he maintains when he was drafted he, I threw 85 it was straight I had no movement um, every time he's been hurt he's been afraid that it'll be less effective and so he has spent basically his entire career remaking each pitch every time he had to go under the knife just because if it moves it doesn't need to be able to go past you you'll just miss it and I think uh, that really shows in spring because a lot of guys would turn and ask what pitch that was because everything was moving so much on certain days that they had zero idea what just got thrown to them which is a really interesting way to look at it when you see guys like Carlos who could throw or, or Rosenthal who can throw hundred miles an hour. And that's one approach or a guy like Jaime Garcia, that'll just lull you to sleep and throw you off balance. And before you go, and speaking of throwing people off balance, I know you got to go here, but um, I'd be remiss if we didn't get to the bullpen. Um, namely first question, you know, they seem to have picked up right where they left off. Do you see any step down or any step backward for this bullpen in 2016? I do not. I, all along thought the bullpen when they added Sungwano and even when they added Broxton, even though I'm not a big Broxton fan, uh, and then Rosenthal and Seegers are back, obviously, and then Lyons being able to be the long man or help with a couple lefties. Uh, I just always thought it was going to be a really good rotation. Now, was it going to necessarily be as good as the Royals were, or not rotation, uh, bullpen, as good as the Royals were last year? Maybe not as good as the Dodgers project to be. Maybe not. But they're a top five bullpen, in my opinion. And I think they are considerably better than they were last year because while Seth Manis has been a big part of the bullpen the last couple of years, uh, I think they improved by adding a Sungwano. Now, I, I know that he had a little rough outing against the Cubs, but you can give him a rough outing every eight outings if you want and I think by improving as much as they did with O compared to Manus especially considering how much Matheny likes to use Manus is a just a monumental upgrade and 
I really, really do look forward to seeing what the bullpen can do this year. Let's just hope the starting rotation gets through gets through yeah. six six consistently so that we don't have O throwing eighty five innings this year or Rosenthal throwing seventy five innings this year because ideally we can let them rest a little bit and be fresh for hopefully an October run. Have you spent much time looking at O's pitches? I know that there's not a ton of data accrued on him yet, but from uh, from inside the clubhouse and from the manager, everyone seems convinced that maybe not at this point, but at least a week ago, that he still had not shown everything that he can do, that he has been slowly kind of rolling out what his pitch repertoire is and what he can do with each of those pitches. In the limited amount of time that you've seen him, have you been able to, one, determine exactly how many pitches he has, and two, where which which pitches are the most effective or and how he uses them? Uh, I've looked at it very, very briefly. I, I did an article on it actually uh, before even all the data came in. It was like a, it was a like the night of his first outing. So that really doesn't tell us much. But I think it, at the end of the day, he's gonna be kind of like a Jaime Garcia where he's got maybe on paper, three or four pitches, but based on how he's feeling in his bullpen and based on, I guess, who the hitter is, he's going to be able to throw six or seven different types of pitches. He's going to have a couple different fastballs. He might have a cutter, which is like a harder slider. We've already seen his slider. It's probably his most effective pitch right now. But throw that a little harder, you turn that into a cutter. So that's four pitches already. He's got a changeup that it dives a little bit, but if he makes it dive a little more, people will call it a splitter or a screwball. So there, that's six or seven pitches already. So I think he's, on paper, it's going to say three pitches, fastball, changeup, slider, but any given day, he's going to be able to dial that up to five or six, maybe even seven different pitches. And, And that's pretty fun, especially considering he doesn't, throw 96 97 miles an hour well yeah he's been he's been pretty fun to watch so far um and everything he's been able to do essentially comes down to it's very very hard to to barrel him up that not too many mistakes linger and if they do the contact is usually pretty ugly well I know I know that I would uh I told you I wouldn't keep you longer than 30 minutes and we're right up against that right now so uh I'll let you uh get on with your day and get on to work. But I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, this was, this is an awesome conversation, man. Yeah, I absolutely enjoyed it. Uh, anytime I can talk pitching, uh, <laughs> I will talk pitching. I, I feel like I write that's all today. I wrote an article that wasn't about pitching. Uh, whenever I can talk about pitching, it's, it's always a joy. So thank you for having me on anytime, man. And I'm sure we'll do it again. That's Joe Schwartz of Viva Albertos. You can follow him on Twitter at STL Cup of Joe. I'm JJ Bailey at the JJ Bailey. As always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week.